Well, I was thinking back to uh, our Lenten series from 2017. It was a time when we looked at the different names of Jesus. We heard about Jesus, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, Jesus, the Mediator, Jesus, the Bread of Life. And then there were some names that we associated with Jesus that we kind of took a look at in pairs, like the Jesus, the Lamb of God, and Jesus, the Shepherd. So Jesus was both the Shepherd and the Lamb. And we also took a look at Jesus, the Gate, and the Gatekeeper. And so today we're going to um, spend some time learning how to uh, better be people who can be all in, like our last series was was just about, who can be all in for God, all in for service to our Lord, and all in to the mission and ministries of this church. And to do that, we're going to look at another pair of titles Um, that we could apply to Jesus, and I'm thinking these are probably titles you've not heard before, uh, because I hadn't heard of them before. Today we're going to think about Jesus as a pearl and an oyster, and I'm not being disrespectful of our Lord. Um, It will make sense, I hope, by the end, but I think sometimes God shows us through the natural world Um, processes and things that can help us understand a little about how we are to become the people Jesus calls us to be. And to do that, we're going to begin first with um, our scripture today comes from, it's a a two-verse parable that we find in uh, Matthew's gospel, chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. And this is what it says. Again, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. The kingdom is like a pearl. Many of Jesus' parables were about the kingdom. He was trying to show his followers and teach us today what the kingdom is about, how we find it, how we are to value it, And in this parable, he's telling us the kingdom of God is like a valuable pearl. It's worth everything. It is something that we must actively pursue. It doesn't just happen on its own. In this two-verse parable, we hear the merchant goes out and seeks this pearl. And then when he finds it, he gives up everything else he has so he can buy that one pearl and possess it. And Jesus is teaching us that That is what the kingdom of God is like. And he said as much in another part of Matthew's gospel in chapter 6 when he was teaching his disciples about worry. And what he said to them is, So do not worry saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So the kingdom is something that Jesus teaches us we are to seek with our whole heart, with our whole mind so that we can love God and love our neighbors. And to do that and to understand what it takes, I want to take us on a little journey today to an understanding about oysters and pearls. And I promise it'll all connect before, before I'm done. So, 
How is a pearl, a biological or a, a physical pearl, made? It starts with a biological creature, an oyster, and a grain of sand, which often, if you look at it under a microscope, is, has rough edges, it can be irritating, gets into the oyster, and it cuts the living membrane inside the oyster. And the oyster's response to that grain of sand, an oyster doesn't spit the sand out, instead it emits a liquid substance that we know as mother of pearl, which has a scientific name of nacre, N-A-C-R-E, nacre. And the oyster emits layer after layer of this nacre, which covers this rough-edged grain of sand that cuts and irritates. And sometimes when we open an oyster, we find a pearl, and that is the end product that has as its center this scratchy, grainy, irritating grain of sand, but has now become a beautiful pearl. Has anyone here ever opened oysters to eat and found a pearl? A little one? I have two. I have two. Uh, one time I opened an oyster. It was a little bitty pearl, and it wasn't one I'd hang on a necklace, but it was a pearl nonetheless. So I'm, I'm sure that the process I just described to you actually happens. But the thing about pearls is, pearls were not some kind of secondary gem in biblical times. Today we value diamonds and emeralds and rubies, but in biblical times, pearls were the gem of great value because they were hard to acquire. If you think about it, uh, pearl divers or people who dove to get oysters for food didn't have scuba gear like we have today. They have to go down to oyster beds, which in the biblical localities were usually about 40 feet deep. They had to brave the uh, the predators that were in the water, and they'd bring up oysters for food, and sometimes they would find pearls. And so because of the danger and the difficulty in acquiring them and their rarity, they became the gem that is spoken of sometimes in our Bible as this very valuable thing. Not like today where we say that diamonds are a girl's best friend. In God's world, it was, it was pearls that were valuable to God's people. So today we're going to spend some time looking at ourselves as though we are pearls who takes after that one great perfect pearl, Jesus Christ. And a, a few weeks ago, uh, you might recall, last time I spoke to you on a Sunday morning, uh, I was speaking about how we sometimes forget our origins by excusing ourselves saying, well, you know, I'm only human. And I uh, quoted you uh, some scripture, from Psalm 8, which says that God created us to be a little lower than the angels. And we know the story. The fall came and this humanity, all of us, that were created to be a little lower than the angels became more like that scratchy, grainy, cutting sand. We became sinful and frail and sick and weak and broken but sometimes we dwell on that sinfulness and that brokenness a little too much. I'm not saying that we should gloss over it or not acknowledge that I'm a sinner, that you're a sinner, that we're all sinners. It's important for us to acknowledge that. But we need to remember that's not how we started and that's not how we end. That's the middle. We start out a little lower than angels. And then by the grace of God, Despite our sinfulness and our brokenness and all of that, we end up saved, redeemed, restored, rejuvenated, 
like beautiful pearls that started out as cutting, nasty, irritating grains of sand. And so we're going to spend a little time today talking about that substance I named as nacre, N-A-C-R-E. Nacre is like, um, it's physically it's the mother of pearl, but when I think of God and God's grace, grace functions a lot like that nacre. It functions a lot like that mother of pearl. And what I mean when I say that, God finds us where we are, and if we're like little grains of sand who are cutting and edgy and sinful, then we're like that grain of sand in an oyster, and the oyster is like God's heart. We cause pain. We cut God's heart as lost people. But instead of spitting us out, God acts kind of like a heavenly oyster. And he starts pouring out layer upon layer of grace that covers up those rough edges and that sinful exterior and forms us into a pearl. First by that first layer of grace that we call provenient grace. We've talked about this before, the grace that comes before, that's working in our hearts before we even realize it. When we start to feel that longing for something better, something more, we long to be better than we are, we want to be something that God calls us to be, and we turn our head, and when we turn our head, suddenly our eyes find Jesus. And when we find Jesus and learn about the Lord, the day comes that we begin to understand that Jesus came for us, for you and for me. He went to the cross, absolving us of our sins, and we accept that work that Jesus did for us on the cross, and that we call that Jesus' justifying grace. He justified us in the eyes of God the Father, and we are given his righteousness because of what he did, not what we do, and we accept that simply by saying, yes, Lord, I want you, I need you. I accept you in my heart. Another layer of grace falls upon that grain of sand. But God's not done then. God continues to work in us through the Holy Spirit, who day after day and week after week pours out more and more grace upon us. We call that sanctifying grace. And through that process, that pearl becomes bigger and better. Our hearts become more like Christ's heart we are affected by grace, and in the end, we are made new. The letter N from the word nacre. We are made new. But by accepting Christ, we are also adopted. No matter what our family of origin is like, if it's the best family in the world, if it's a broken family, if there wasn't much there for us, when we accept Jesus, we are adopted adopted into the family. This is how Paul describes it in his letter to the church at Ephesus. He says, Long below he laid down earth's foundations. God had us in mind, had settled on us, the, settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, God decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ, what a pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. So we're new, we're adopted because of the sea, because of Christ. 
through Christ and the work that he did for us. And when we accept that, then we achieve that wonderful thing. We don't achieve it, we're actually given it, that gift of redemption. There's your R. Redeemed, restored, renewed, revitalized. There's a dozen words that start with re that can describe what happens to us when Jesus becomes our Lord. And then the last thing that I remember, especially this morning, is the letter E. The letter E is applicable no matter what our circumstances are, no matter how bad things may seem today, if we're one of those victims of human trafficking, if we're sick, if we're struggling in our marriage, if we're worried about our children, if we've lost a loved one, that E reminds us that what Jesus did for us is everlasting. And that this time we spend here today in the big scheme of eternity is but a brief time for us to bear the trials and tribulations of this life. So by God's grace, by God's mother of pearl, God's nacre, we are made new, we are adopted in Christ. We are redeemed and promised life everlasting. But for what purpose? Just to be saved? Okay, I'm saved and I'm done. You know I'm not going to stop there. You all know me better than that by now. Because pearls are supposed to do something. And when all those things happen to us and we become God's little pearls, pearls have a purpose. And to find pearls' biblical purpose, I'm not talking about an adornment around our necks or on our fingers. I'm talking about a biblical purpose. If we turn to Revelations, we'll find what that purpose is. If we look in Revelations chapter 21, we will find a verse where John is describing um, what it will be like when the kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. He's describing the new Jerusalem coming down from the heavens, not little human beings flying up to heaven, but the heavens coming down to earth so the earth can be God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And that kingdom, according to Revelations 21, has 12 gates. And it says, the 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. Why is that significant? Well, in John's gospel, Jesus said these words. He said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. So here we have Jesus being a pearl, the gate to heaven for all of us, the perfect pearl. But Jesus is also the oyster who turns each of us into a little beautiful pearl so we can be the gates for people who don't know the Lord, who don't aspire to kingdom living, to come to know God and know God's kingdom. We are called to be Jesus's little pearls. We are called to be pearly gates. Those aren't just words used in old gospel hymns. They're right here in John's revelation. And you see what happens it's kind of like the pair we think about of Jesus, the shepherd and the lamb. On one hand, he was the lamb, God's perfect lamb. 
But he also was the shepherd for all of God's other little lambs who weren't so perfect. Jesus is God's perfect pearl, the kingdom brought to earth on flesh. But he's also the oyster that makes little pearls. And I couldn't believe as we were singing our first song today, the lion and the lamb. You know, there's two sides to the things that Jesus does. On one hand, he does things to show us who we are to be. But then on the other hand, the gate, the pearl, the shepherd, we are to become for others little versions of who Jesus is for us. We can't do it as well as Jesus and we can't do it without Jesus. But if God makes little pearls out of us, then I submit to you that we should become like the pearly gates welcoming others, letting them see in us what the kingdom looks like. But you know, that's not what the world teaches about oysters and pearls. In fact, how many of you have ever heard this saying, the world is my oyster? Anybody heard that? Okay. We think that that's just a a popular slogan nowadays. The world is my oyster is actually taken from a line of a Shakespearean play. Uh, The play was The Merry Wives of Windsor. And there were two characters having a verbal exchange. One of them was a guy named Falstaff, and the other was a guy named Pistol. And Pistol asked Falstaff to give him some money. He wanted to borrow money, and Falstaff was absolutely adamant that he wasn't going to lend Pistol any money and said, no, not one red cent do you get from me, nothing. To which Pistol replied, Why then, the world's mine oyster, which I will with sword open. It wasn't some beautiful thing that we find with a pearl in it. What he's saying is the oyster is something to be taken and opened by force. And if you've ever shucked oysters, you use an instrument like this. It's called an oyster shucker or an oyster knife. I know these can do serious damage not only to oysters but to human hands because the very first year Bruce and I were married, he was shucking oysters and was much too manly to wear one of those leather gloves. And uh, I can't tell you how horrified when I saw this thing, this very one, stuck in the palm of his hand when the oyster slipped. So these do violence. They can do violence. And you might look at me and say, now, Pastor Pam, you're stretching it a little bit. Opening an oyster isn't violent. I would suggest to you that's because you're not the oyster. All right? The world teaches us to take what we want by force. Grab that oyster, force it open, take what we want, because we're strong, we're powerful, we're independent. That is not what Jesus teaches us about the pearl finding God's, found in God's oyster. Jesus says to us, take the pearl that God offers. The oyster just opens easily, kind of like one of God's miracles. It's there for the taking. Take it with gratitude. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to pay for it. You just have to accept that it's offered to you. You can open an oyster the world's way, or you can open the oyster God's way. 
Not only are are we to take that gift, but we are then to offer ourselves like little pearls at those pearly gates. Not in heaven, but the pearly gates here. We offer ourselves in our workplaces, our schools, at our church, in our community, at Spooktacular, at the golf tournament, meeting golfers who may not have a church home. We offer ourselves as pearly gates, not with the gates shut to keep others out, but with the gates wide open. And by our example saying, this is what life in Christ is like. Come and be with us. Be one with us. Be one with Christ. We're called to be pearly gates. But we don't stop there. Then we become little oysters who make other little pearls, who then become pearly gates, shepherds and lambs, oysters and pearls. There's what we receive, how it transforms us, and what we give. And so today, what I say to you is God wants to use us and the nacre, the mother of pearl, the grace he has poured out on us to share our lives in Christ with other people so they can find out what it means to be made new, to be in an adopted into Christ's family, to know Christ, to be redeemed, restored, revived, and renewed. And so that they know no matter what life circumstances may bring today, the promise and hope and glory of our Lord is forever and everlasting. So my question for you today, as we're all in for our church, as we're all in for God, as we're all in for our mission and ministry, Will you join me? Will you choose to be first a pearl and then an oyster that makes other little pearls?